Hey there, everyone. Welcome to what should be both a very exciting and informative episode of Property Soup. My name is John Staggs, property strategist for Access Wealth. Hey, guys. It's Alan here from Foundation Property. And today we're being joined by 20-year veteran of the industry, so Mark Singh from Wealth Success, a gentleman who's going to spend a lot of time with us talking about the options that you could have, again, could, uh, for the option of property in a self-managed super fund, a topic I'm certainly very deeply passionate about. Uh, we've helped hundreds of clients with over the years. Um, and it's going to be what I think will be a really fun and really informative episode as well. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be an important episode for a lot of people, John. Um, a lot of people have not kind of explored the idea of buying property through super and there's a lot to know about it. And, uh, you know, Mark's dealt with, you know, probably thousands of clients within his, his career. So he's a real expert. He really is a veteran. And uh, yeah, we're really excited to have him on the show and to kind of, you know, talk everything about uh, you know, self-managed super investing and buying property through your self-managed super funds. So that's going to be a great show, so stick around. Yeah, let's dive right into it. Yeah. Welcome to Property Soup. First time you've been on with us, hopefully the first of many episodes. But yeah, welcome, man. How's it going? Yeah, going really well. Thank you, yeah. both of you. And uh, yeah, and uh, it's quite funny because we've spoken so much over the phone. Yeah. And uh, to finally actually put a name and a face together is actually really good. Indeed, yeah. Tell us, first of all, you've been in the industry for 20 years. Just curiosity, like how did you get started in finance and yeah. industry in the first place? Yeah, I initially started out in law, so I was working in legal and um, my client was a bank and um, it was initially, I uh, suggested that you'll be grading what they termed as wealth management and uh, it started like that and uh, financial planning became uh, the thing and um, yeah, I, I slipped straight into it and enjoyed it and enjoyed helping uh, my clients with regards to their financial matters and uh, being able to get solutions for them. So that's how it started 20 years ago. Mm. Right. And did you always have an interest in finance and, and wealth creation or just you just it just kind of happened by accident? Or The love was always to help others. Mm, and nice. um, so that's why I moved into that. And I had an undergrade in commerce. So I thought, well, you know, I'm blending two together and I initially started out in insurance helping I'd said uh, customers with regards to the insurance needs and then that moved on to financial planning did all the necessary requirements for that and then yeah it just uh, started from there and um, the more and more I got into it the more and more I loved it each day and every day because every client was different and unique in their own right mm. okay awesome yeah so one thing I'm curious about well I always find the longer you do this, sometimes better is to go all the way right back to basics, right? So what could be a pretty fundamental question, can you talk us through the basics of actually having a self-managed super fund and how that differs from just having, say, your typical industry fund? I think that's a great question, Rob, because I'd say to, fundamentally, they are two separate and um, actually understanding why the SMSF or self-managed super fund is so popular that will help in, in answering that question. So initially, you've got your industry fund, which is collectively from any one of the I'd say super funds like a, I'd say an industry fund that you see on the television or, or on the radio. Good old CBUS, right? Let's take that for example. <laughs> so good old CBUS, I'd say we'd take all the members' funds from I'd say that industry if you worked in that industry and basically be the industry fund for those members. The self-managed super fund started gathering a lot of momentum when Australians wanted to have more control, more flexibility, but also at the same time, they wanted more choice 
for the investment and how they going to be able to use their funds in retirement. And mm-hmm. that's the evolution of why some mm-hmm. managed super funds have become so popular. When you back that against what you can do with your self-managed super fund, it just gained more and more popularity. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully that helps in answering the difference between the two super funds. You, you said it, you know, it was gaining popularity. And I, I think it's really important that a lot of Australians hear this because most Aussies kind of forget about it. They kind of think of super as, well, I've got really no control. I've, I'm not going to touch it for the next 30, 40 years. So they kind of don't do anything with it. They kind of just trust other people to handle it for them. And you got to remember that, you know, those funds, that's your money. You might not be able to access it for, you know, however long, by the time you're 60, 65, whatever, but that's still your money and you can take control of it. And if you so wish, you can put it in things where you think you might get better control and and better return. I think that's important. Totally agree. A lot of points you just raised there is what I hear every day. Mm. A lot of the times um, I said, I'll get introduced to a client because he or she had no idea that they could actually use their accumulated super funds that has been accumulating over years Mm. and they didn't even realize that they could potentially use those funds to make the super funds grow even more and potentially do a lot more with it. So mm. it is a very exciting space and um, that's why I love it so much is because I can actually see satisfaction by helping clients to be able to achieve their dream. Mm. One thing I'm a little bit curious about as well, you mentioned that it was it's really been picking up steam mm. for people to want to go and do a self-managed super fund. Is that really just in response to the global financial crisis or is there another trigger to that? Yeah, look, again, you know, such a good question because it has gained a lot of momentum, yes, from the global financial crisis, but more so from the, I'd say, pandemic. Mm. People are starting to see that these super funds is not enough Mm. to be able to live on. Yeah, The pandemic has really highlighted why they need to basically Mm. fund their retirement. Yeah. And... um, to the point where now they realize that there's super funds that have been invested by other people that they don't even know that it's not right. even taken into account their financial situation. When you put it like that, it's pretty crazy. Like, it is. Think about it like this. Does it make sense for you to trust an industry fund? Like they don't know you, just a number. You're trusting them 100% to take care of the money that's supposed to take care of you in retirement. Like, does that make 100% sense? It doesn't. I hear this all the time, and um, a lot of my clients will say to me, Mark, they haven't even spoken to me, yet I'm paying a fee to XYZ, whichever mm. super company I'm with, and one, they're taking out fees because they are. Mm. They don't even know what my financial situation looks like, mm. yet mm. they're taking out fees, and this is the super that I have to rely on. Mm when I reach retirement age. Mm -hmm. And um, the self-managed super fund has become so exciting because now they can actually take a bit of control. Mm -hmm. And like one of my clients said is that if I make a mess up, it's because I've had control over what I've done. Mm -hmm. And if I've made a success, well, you know what? At least I know Mm -hmm. what has worked, what hasn't. So yeah, coming back to your point, yes. Yeah. Yeah, just wrapping up that point uh, as well, it reminds me of uh, a conversation I had actually with uh, a colleague, uh, another buyer's agent for another, from another agency, Paul. We'll probably get him on the show at some point as well. 
but he, he actually came from the, I mean, look, we, we've worked together with a lot of clients, helping them purchase property through Super. But Paul actually came from the financial advisory industry as well. And he said he left it because he could see that it, it wasn't benefiting mum and dad investors. It just wasn't like it was benefiting the funds. It was benefiting the government. But the mums and dads were the ones that were actually losing out. Like he was dealing with clients who, you know, coming up to, to their 50s and 60s. And at the very top end, a very small percentage of people had you know, five or six hundred thousand um, dollars, even if they had seven hundred thousand dollars. And that's an the, exception, it's not the rule. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, by the time they, you know, what do you want to do when you retire? First thing is you want, you're going to buy, you're going to go on a holiday, you're going to give some money to the kids, you're going to buy yourself a nice car. By the time you do all that stuff and maybe pay off your mortgage, you've, you've barely got anything left. You might even have three, four hundred thousand dollars. And how long is that supposed to last you? And so that's why he kind of, you know, just one decent property can make all the difference. Yeah. You know, so we're not advising, hey, look, you've, this is not financial advice, this is in general, yeah. but yeah. Um, that's why you yeah. need to speak to people like Mark before you do anything. So, uh, but just in, just in general, like, um, you know, start looking at your options. This is your money. Maybe you should think about having more control over it rather than just trusting it to some company who just doesn't know who you are. Yeah. That's exactly right. And I think we, the two of us all on the same page here, we've just either spoken to people, helped people, guided people, and too many times are we hearing the same echoes that, um, you know, somebody else has managed my funds and we've had no say in it. Yet at the end of the day, this is what we have to potentially live on. And invariably, it's not enough. Yeah. Mm. So, so let's consider the upsides and downsides of property then. This is something that I'm curious about for yourself as well. Mm. So it, it sounds like you really care about your client's outcomes, right? So that's why you're prepared to consider any option that might benefit from. And again, this is not gospel, but a lot of financial advisors are wary about property. Why would you say that might be the case for some? And why is that not the case for you? Yeah. Let me first explain to you why I'm, I feel very different and um, my investment decisions are different. Not to say that any one asset class, and I mean shares, property, all of the, all of the above, are any one better than the other. There is no silver bullet. There's only trade-offs. That's exactly my, my terminology that I like to use. The reason why I like all of them is because all of these asset classes are going to perform for you at any one different time, and they might not all perform at the same time. Mm. Statistically, it's kind of unlikely, right? Like... What are the odds that everything goes good in every arena all at once? That's exactly right, John. And I, I've been in the industry for so long to tell you that they don't all work unisonly at the same time. Hence the reason why I'm a big fan of property, I'm a big fan of shares, I'm a big fan of mm. managed finances because mm. they all are there to help you reach that financial success. Guys, just to touch on that, um, it, it, it reminds me of uh, a real life situation. So this is a, this was a, a good family, family friend. And you know, we, what we're talking about is not having all your eggs in one basket, right? Mm. Yeah, having some diversity and, yeah. and managing risk really. Yep. And this was a family friend and she was at the GFC, probably had around six hundred or $700,000 in the more high-risk high basket of shares. GFC happened and basically wiped out 75% of his retirement funds. And he was 63 years old and there was nothing he could do about it. And that was it. <laughs> 
So, yeah, I mean, you really nailed the point that, hey, look, you should be looking at really looking at a diverse number of options because they'll all be going through different cycles. They all have different uh, risk kind of um, levels. Yeah. And you don't want to be left empty-handed when if you've got all your eggs in one basket and then it just goes in a, in a, you know, in a second in a heartbeat and that's all the money you've kind of you know, invested and worked for for 34 years. No, you're exactly right. I don't use that terminology a lot. I use mm. that phrase a lot. Don't put all your eggs in one basket because mm. people still do it. Yeah. Until mm. today. Another mm. anecdote. I think I mentioned this last episode, but in case I didn't. Um, so my folks were uh, invested in, a again, a higher risk fund right before the GFC. Yeah. Um, lost roughly about half of their retirement wealth um, down to return to work. So, mm. Yeah. You know, every time I hear these stories, yeah, I, I, I feel for, you know, people because that's a that's a hard lesson. Mm. And um, people have worked really hard to achieve mm. what they've achieved. And to have it all go like that, that's, mm. that's not business. It's mm. brutal. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the upsides then uh, with property um, and, and some of the downsides as well versus, let's say, the other classes. Let, let's choose, like, I don't know, shares versus property as yeah. well. well. What are some of the upsides compared to, like, shares? The reason why people have in the past been, I'd say, um, one, a fan of shares is because it gives you the chance to be able to invest into quality good stocks, mm. which potentially has the upside of giving you dividends mm. in the future. However... We all know that there's no given rule that says a good quality stock is going to stay good quality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see the emotions of how the stock market goes up and Uh down because just like any other company, it's going to have have its ups and its downs. Um, And the more you (coughs) to that company, and again, it's, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. So... You want to diversify yourself across the different assets and the same applies with shares. So the upside for shares is that there's dividends and potentially if you are to, to invest into a good company, you'll potentially get really nice quarterly dividends every quarter. The downside is obviously the risk. Mm. The risk that you expose yourself if you put all your eggs into that one stock, um, the likelihood is that there'll be periods of down. And um, negativity, which is going to affect if it's cash flow, it's going to affect your cash flow. That means, um, you know, your super one day, that's going to affect your retirement. So um, that's the upsides and the downsides. It it sounds like even with a high level of diversity, there's still going to be some volatility you have to write out irrespective. That's exactly right, John. And, um, you know, as I mentioned again and again, you'd want to have your assets across the different passes mm. because there's no one silver bullet. Mm. Well, that's, I mean, look, we, over multiple episodes, it's something we look at all the time when we talk comparing, you know, property to the other asset classes. It's, it's one of them, the most stable over time. It's uh, very resilient, especially in Australia. Mm. It's one of the most stable kind of stores of wealth actually over time. But what do you, how do you see property um, kind of fitting into people's portfolio and, and how does it help them strengthen things? Again, I'm a bit of a fan <coughs> of property just because I've seen 
my clients have a lot of success with it, mm. and I've seen it for myself personally. Yeah. Um, I think it's really good to have that in your portfolio together with the other assets that I've mentioned, like earlier shares and all of them. Property just doesn't only keep you income, mm. like the rental income, mm. but it gives you capital accumulation and appreciation, mm. which Australians get. And that's why they're a big fan of property. Mm. Having that in your soft managed super fund only appreciates your value. Mm when you get to retirement and potentially helps you to be able to have an asset that will give you an increased income. So from an upside point of view, I don't see too much downside, especially if you've got the right intention for property in your portfolio. Mm. It's potentially more upsides than I see downsides, to be honest. Yeah. Let's imagine, or let's think of it really simply. If we want to have the best retirement possible, what we're looking to get is the most output for our input. Right now, in terms of the cash coming into a super fund, yes, you've obviously got the employer contributions. You can put extra through salary sacrifice yes. if you'd like to. Um, but at what point does that eventually reach its limits? Because there's only so much you can reduce your expenses by. And for most industries, there's only so much you can increase your income by. Right. So when we reach that threshold and we're invested as well as we can be, how do we then go further? Yeah. And the only real answer is debt, right? Unless we want to do something bit different with our money yeah. um, and take on ridiculous risk, which clearly none of us are a fan of. So short of the risk, if we then take on debt, that, to me, that's the advantage. So we can turn potentially $200,000 of a super balance into five, $600,000 property, right? Do um, you mind talking through the difference that could see to someone's outcomes? Oh, where do I get started? Um, I've seen so much uh, happiness. I've seen so much joy to when I explain this to my clients. Um, mm. That's why I said, where do I start? Let me give you, if you don't mind, one of the examples. Actually, I have so many, but Love just it. one. I saw a client just about a year ago, and um, they were both, I'd say, um, in the industry fund, both got supers of about collectively, jointly together, about just under 400,000. So both of them had accumulated quite a bit of super that you know salt of the earth type of clients. Mm. Uh, Do you mind if I ask how far were they from retirement? No, they were 35. Oh, wow, wow, okay. Yeah. So pretty good income. Is. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Mm. So they were just <coughs> the outskirts of uh, the mining industry, mm -hmm. but they were in the admin side, so they were doing project management for mm. the mining companies. So good incomes, only a bad thing was they weren't seeing each other. So husband and wife working very hard, like most Australians, right. four kids, no time together. Right. They said that this has got to stop. And they came into my office and we started talking about how we potentially can help them. Right. Cash-wise, disposable, they didn't have much cash because all of their money was towards school fees. And You've got four kids, right? Exactly. So potentially... They really couldn't do much with their disposable cash because everything was being dispersed either around school fees or around just being able to put food on the table. The only thing that we could do was use their super. Mm -hmm. Now, this is, comes back to your earlier question. When I told them that we could potentially put the supers together and potentially help them to be able to grow their assets, but not only that, give them the financial success 
later on, so that they can spend more time together. Right. All of a sudden, they light, their eyes light up. When I was able to tell them that they could potentially get an asset-like property, which is one of the dreams that she wanted always, mm-hmm. um, but it's been renting. Now, you probably be thinking, they're on such good incomes, why couldn't they buy their own property? I think we all know we live in Australia and the taxes mm-hmm. are pretty high, which means that you don't really come out of your pay packet with too much money left over once no. you've gotten rid of all the expenses like school fees and food costs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So when I was able to help them to consolidate these supers into a self-managed and then put them into a position where they could buy an investment property, right. forwarded one year later, they were receiving rental income. They've got a, a rental investment property that they were really happy with that's appreciated already about 60,000 in the space of 12 months. Mm. So they're very, very, very happy with that because... Let's take a pause. That's in a down market, right? That's in a declining market, they're up 60K already. Already. And I'm glad you pointed that out because we forget that. We forget that we are in a down market right now at the moment. So you can imagine in an up market, it only gets Mm. better. Good assets always a good asset. Fundamentals don't go away. Fundamentals don't go away. And if if we just fast forward that, you know, even 10 years from now, uh, you know, it it does take between 10 and 15 years, sometimes 20 years, depending on the individual situation, et cetera. But it sounds like for this couple, between 10 and 15 years from now, that property is going to be completely paid off and it may be worth doubling value. I mean, their funds are going to look really good. Exactly. Yeah. From now. Exactly. Um, and if exactly. they just left it in retail funds, well, this is, there's no control and they're just, you know. Well, this goes back to, yeah, this goes back to that example that you mentioned early on, whereby so many Australians don't know what we are just talking about right now. Mm-hmm. And I would love, and this is what excites me, what gets me up in the morning, is to be able to help that next person, mm-hmm. to be able to show them that there is a way that they can get that financial freedom. I just can't get enough people in front of me to be able to show them what we can potentially do to help them. That can oh, be a I challenge. Just... <laughs> <laughs> let's kind of break it down, though. So let's let's use that couple as an example. So okay. our investor one and two. So with the $400,000 they had in super, do you know roughly the acquisition cost of the property they were able to, to get for themselves? Yeah, yeah, I can because um, I remember that very clearly. Like I said, these are two good people yep. that have been working since they were 17 years old. They're now 35. Four kids, not much assets to show besides the four kids. Mm -hmm. Boys wanted a property, but they've been renting. As I mentioned, cost of living, everything gets in the the way, but four kids, so you can imagine. Um, They they do earn a good income, but that's where all the money goes to. So they've invested their wealth in their kids. Now, fast forward 12 months, they've got a nice investment property through the self-managed super fund, which for her was a dream. Yep. Purchase price? 446000 Okay. So we, we've taken relatively low-risk approach as well. Very low. Yeah. yeah. The reason why we did that was one, as I mentioned to the client, is that we want to see some yield out of it. And this is your first time. No properties, four kids, wants to make sure that there's still food on the table. So. Yeah. What we did was we created the SMSF, Self-Managed Super Fund. Mm-hmm. We made sure that 
funds go back into the super fund. So we did a salary sacrifice strategy so that the funds are additionally going into the SNSF to help pay for things like insurance as well as also mm. to up the super balance so that we don't see a depleting super balance. Mm-hmm. So fast forward that husband and wife were very happy because now the super balance is looking better. When I took over, they were paying advisor fees for advisor they never see. They were paying insurance fees that were insuring for the wrong occupation. So, you know, he's a project manager, yet he's been insured as a minor. And imagine the risk and the premiums that he would have to pay being, you know, underground. Mm-hmm. Whereas, whereas in reality, he works for a mining company, but he's not working underground. He's sitting in a, a nice office, making sure everybody mm-hmm. has the right budget and all that stuff. So yeah. unfortunately, he was paying too much. So we, we got rid of all of that and we, money came back into the super fund. In other words, he's not positive. The balance is shot up and he's now got a nice big asset in his portfolio. Mm. Not to mention the other asset classes that I've mentioned earlier, like shares and yeah. funds. Yeah. Yeah. But now all of a sudden, with that, and because we've done the salary sacrifice, we've also been able to show that we can be able to lower both of their taxable incomes because they're earning good income, yep. yet mm. they're paying heaps in tax. Mm. So again, they were just <coughs> static. They've been able to use these super plans to leverage, be able to, I'd say, to put themselves financially in a really good position. And based on the numbers, if they continue in this fashion, mm. they will be able to retire. Mm. Which is awesome. I Which is what they want to right from the start. That's the key as well. We're bringing back to outcomes and not to the numbers because the numbers are only there to serve the outcome. That's but right. if, they, if they don't do it, it's pointless. That's right. A um, little exercise and leverage, right? So this $446,000 property they got for themselves. Yeah. How much did we put towards the purchase out of their super? Yeah, sorry. I should have answered that question because right. I'd said once, I'd said um, the husband had the opinion that it's $446,000 property. Mm. And I said to him, I said, why can't we? We certainly can. And he said, Mark, we've only got just a little over 400000 mm. So in his mind, we had to go back to basics and, and explain the whole leverage. Mm. And I said that we only need to, I said, put in 20% mm. to be able to purchase that 446000 mm. property. After I explained that to him, I think the light bulb switched yeah. on. I mean, and, yeah. um, you know, I'd say for him, it was all go ahead after that. Yeah. I think this is where people kind of forget, right? So let's use that simple example, 20%, roughly $100,000, right? Give or take, call it 105, um, plus our costs, our stamp duty, our legals, everything else. Let's, let's be conservative and call it 140K coming in. Probably not even that much towards a purchase, right? So we've got our 140K coming in. Now let's say they found an underperforming property, right? Let's say it doubles in 15 years instead of 10, as it should with good research. Okay, so using some really, you know... Let's use some very conservative... conservative. Very conservative parameters, yeah. right? So if that property doubles in 15 years' time, 446K, right? Let's call it 900 for our numbers. Yeah. Now, what are the odds that if they'd kept that 140K in an industry fund, it would have turned into 900K in 15 years? Probably very slim. Yeah. Have you seen an example that's happened before? No. In 20 years? Maybe... 
25 or 30 years. Right. And here's the key, like Alan mentioned before, I think it's really worth drilling down in as well. Um, because of how properties are funded in self-managed super funds, in all likelihood, particularly given their high income, that property's paid off in 15 years. That's right. Worst case, maybe 17 and a half it's yeah, paid yeah, off. Yeah. And, and uh, just to add to that, John, as well, right? You don't have to do all property. Like Mark said, you can diversify as well. Yeah. So let's say they've got that 400, they've taken out 140, that leaves 260, if yeah. my maths is correct. Correct. So they've still, you know, fast forwarding 15 years, if they left that 260 in the fund and they did nothing with it, it just stayed at 260, well, they've got over a million dollars in their fund yeah. in 15 years' time. That's exactly I mean, right. And, and that's why I get so passionate about yeah. it because the two of you are saying exactly what I'm seeing mm. and uh, so many Australians don't know this mm. and that's why I just can't get enough people in front of me because I want to be able to show them. Mm. I mean, how many people do you know even at, we've spoken to thousands of people. Uh, how many people do you know at, you know, even 50 or 55 with a, a million in super? It's, it's almost non-existent. It is. It is. Um, I mean, so, even in my career, I don't see a lot of that. It's typically doctors and they're still, in many respects, no better off because they've become used to such a high standard of living yeah. that the reality is it doesn't actually account for their whole retirement anyway. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Probably one of the big things to me is let's consider the reasons people wouldn't do this, right? So let's look at the other side. So if we, if we look at it fundamentally, the reason someone wouldn't do this is because one, they're not convinced that it'll actually make them more money. Um, two, is they're concerned it'll cost them more time. Or three, is it'll cost them more in fees, right? Any other like big considerations are that pretty much it. You know what? I'm glad you asked that question because a lot of the times or a lot of the objections that I get or people hesitating or people maybe not proceeding is you would think it would be around fees or you think it would be around um, not being able to have access or something like that. The main common objection or the main reason why people hesitate towards setting up a self-managed super fund, the number one reason I get all the time is it's so complex, I wouldn't know how to do this myself or how to manage the self-managed super mm. fund myself. They've, they've heard self-managed and they've, they've selection biased them out of the, themselves out of the process because they, they think, I can't do this. That's exactly right. And so many times I go, so this is the reason why you are hesitating. And they go, yeah. Once I explain to them that me and my team will be able to facilitate that process and mm. it's a real handhold and every year we'll go through the process to make sure that you understand what's next in terms of the audit, the tax return, all of that. Mm -hmm. Once that's explained, then it's all guns blazing. So worst case scenario, theor theoretically between the audit, between meetings with you, consulting on assets, how many hours per year would someone realistically have to put into this at most if we're being really brutally honest? Yeah. Yeah. Well, brutally severe in our expectations. Yeah, look, you know, it really can range. Uh, because we do a lot of the back-end work for our clients, um, if I was to say you would, as a client, you would potentially be spending maybe two and a half, five hours. A year. A whole year. Right. Anyone at home, I challenge you, jump on your phone and look at the hours you spend on social media per day. Exactly. Exactly. I was just talking to my daughter yesterday. Uh, she spent an hour and a half just lying on her bed looking at Instagram. To put it in a nutshell, people spend so much time 
on social media. Mm, instead of taking care of their finances. That's right. Crazy. If you could yeah. set aside two and a half, maybe five hours mm. in a whole year, mm. I think that's an easy it's, one. It's, one, it's day, a one day of brainless scrolling. That's it. Oh, it's, it's a big one we hear all the time. It's like, I just, I haven't got time to look into this right now. And it's, it's not about time. We all have 24 hours in a day. It's about prioritizing things. What's, what's important. That's exactly right, Alan. And, and, and once I explain it to them and I say, you know what, that's what me and my team are here for. And once I explain to them that the tax deduction of fees can be claimed against your SMSF, mm. it becomes a no brainer. Yeah. And then they decide to proceed because this strategy is going to help them achieve their financial success. So let's break down the reasons not to do it very simply and look at the counter arguments to them, right? Yep. So, so number one, I don't have confidence this will actually make more money. Well, okay, so if your money stays where it is, will you have six times the starting balance in 15 years' time? Probably not. So looking at the potential to do that could be in your benefit, right? right. Number two, um, do you have five hours of spare time per year? Anyone who tells me they, they don't, please come see me. I'll do a time order with you. We'll find it, right? Exactly. So, so I don't think that's an excuse either. The third one then, um, will this cost me more money? Well, part of your statement of advice actually has to has to show to someone very clearly either it's the detrimental benefit, right? That's exactly right. And uh, a lot of the times when we do that, um, I think you know the answer already. It, yeah. it shows them that they can and it's going to be beneficial for them and, uh, and um, they know it already. It's just prioritizing. Yeah. Lifetime, I've seen people on a statement of advice when we've actually tallied it up over the years, they were going to save six figures in fees alone before we look at the potential upside of their investments. That's exactly right. All right, Mark. So let's say somebody is interested in getting involved and, and taking control of their finances, not leaving it to someone else. They want to buy property uh, through super, set up a self-managed super fund, get a financial planner and advisors such as yourself to help them maybe work with strategists or, or buyers agents to help them find a good asset, a good property to put in that fund. What what are the kind of basic steps they need to take <clears throat> to get things rolling, to get the ball rolling and to get this fund up and running so they can actually start taking control of their finances? Yeah. I think the first and foremost is definitely talking to your property strategist, your property advocate that would be able to, one, get to know your financial situation in terms of what you're looking for. Is that the property? Is that the location? Is that the type of return? They would know you best. Then that strategist or that advocate is going to link up with somebody like myself to help you get your SMSF set up. But then also, we're in totality of your whole financial situation. Mm. Do you have the correct insurance in place? Mm. Are you getting covered? And does those numbers stack up? Mm. Collectively, I think having that set up first is going to put you in a prime position for success in the future. Mm. So I know I've simplistically I'd said, um, said it in a few words, but really it doesn't mm. need to be any more complicated than what I've just mentioned. It shouldn't be, right? It shouldn't. But people want to make it, and I mean, we can certainly make it more complicated. <laughs> yeah. I'll put in some nice legal and fancy jargon to it, but it doesn't need to be. Yeah. Just get started. To, that's it. Yeah. Get started, Alan. Talk to your strategist, talk to your advocate. He or she is going to be the best person that knows what type of asset property you're looking for. Then, yeah, link up with myself and we'll be able to get those numbers and situational fixed. Right. Sounds awesome. All right. Mark, uh, thank you thank so you. much uh, mm -hmm. for joining us. Um, yeah, 
Look, very, very insightful. And um, we will leave a, uh, a link for people to reach out to. Look, I think if there's one thing that's been really enjoyable at the conversation is that, yes, you want an expert who actually knows their stuff and is a truly a subject matter expert, but more importantly, you want someone who actually cares about your outcomes and serving you. And that was really the enjoyable part of the conversation today. So yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it and definitely hope we do another episode down the line. Definitely. Thank you, John. Thank you, Alan. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, well, absolute pleasure. Thanks, Mark. Not a problem. All right, see you guys. Thank you.